Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thanks for listening today. Today we have on Molly Cole, and Molly is 54 years old. She lives in Houston. And Molly's story is very interesting for a couple different reasons. First, she has been sober for 19 years, and she was also dealing with a neurological disorder that she largely has under control at the moment, but it's been something that's been plaguing her for a long time. And she came to intermittent fasting in 2020. She was able to reverse her diabetes, which started out with her having an A1C as high as 8.1. It is now 5.4. She's also lost a tremendous amount of weight along the way. She started at around 220 and is currently at 145. She's very open and honest about all aspects of her story, and she didn't hold back. She shared a lot about her mindset and how sobriety has kind of crossed over to her thinking about her current lifestyle with intermittent fasting and then the diet that she's on right now. And I just think she gives a good overview of how she thinks about the world and her health. So I hope you enjoy her story. She, she really was a pleasure to speak to. Hi, Molly. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to speak to you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here, Lucy. Oh, great. Well, before we jump right in, maybe you can just give us a quick background about yourself. Absolutely. Um, I am 54, live in Houston, Texas, um, born and raised part of the time in Boise, Idaho. And so I go back and forth because my family's there, but I married a man who came from New York and when he got to Texas said he'd never leave. Um, so I'm retired. I, for 21 years, I worked for Cisco Food Services as a national account executive. And um, in 2017, I was let go um, while I was having problems with a health issue, um, which we can talk about. Um, and uh, just, I wanted to mention that I've been sober since September 25th of 2003. Grateful for that day and grateful for this day as well. That's great. And we'll definitely talk about your journey to sobriety and, and how it's impacted you today and a couple of your other health issues along the way, because I think your story's really, it's got a lot of twists and turns in it. So I think everybody's going to find it really interesting. And a lot of people, you know, not everybody has a straightforward A to B story and everybody has some things that happen to them along the way. And I think your story is, speaks to that and I can't wait for you to tell it. Um, so let's get into, and I guess, I don't know how you want to start this. Do you want to start from more of the beginning, some of your health issues that you were facing early on that led up to your diagnosis? Does that make the most sense? Sure. That does make more sense. Um, so um, I got sober in 2003, had a couple health issues, um, had a hysterectomy when I was 35 years old um, after several attempts to save my ovaries from polycystic ovarian problems as well as endometriosis. 
Um, and that was a huge struggle for me. Um, when I got sober, uh, all the old timers, when I started to gain weight, told me to um, keep eating the ice cream, keep having the sugar. When you detox from alcohol, your body craves sugar because alcohol becomes sugar in your body. Um, so they just told me I could take the weight off later. And um, I took it off 17 years later. So it took a while. Um, but I didn't start gaining the majority of my weight until 2015 when I was diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia. Um, that disease nickname is, um, it's called uh, the suicide disease. And that is because it is so hard to treat and so hard to find people, the cures for people, that that's what it has been nicknamed. Um, Can you explain it a little bit? I will. It is when the artery wraps around the trigeminal nerve, trigeminal, and it feeds into the bottom teeth, the front teeth, and the ear and face, like the forehead and stuff. So when the artery wraps around the nerve, every time the blood pumps and when you feel a pulse, it sends messages to the brain to send pain to those areas. Um, My pain concentrated in my ear. I thought I had an ear infection. I saw five doctors. Finally, the fifth said, I think you have trigeminal neuralgia. I'm going to send you to a neurologist. And so the next, uh, from 2015 to 2020 were um, a brain surgery that didn't go as planned, did not work, and caused me to have a cornea scratch. They scratched my cornea because they taped my eyes shut, and my I was upside down, face um, in the pillow, and my eyes opened, and or eye opened, and uh, the tape got on it, and they ripped the tape off. They ripped my cornea, so that resulted in a cornea transplant. And I still didn't have um, anything to cure me. So with that diagnosis, I got to where I was just laying on the couch all day and eating. Um, I did not move. Every time I moved, it hurt. So I didn't want to do anything. And um, all I did was go to doctor's appointments. And, you know, I did um, radiation, all sorts of different things. Johns Hopkins you know, trying to seek out cures. Um, And at my highest, I weighed 220 pounds. And when I got that diagnosis of 220 pounds, um, my diabetes actually, and that was in 2020. Imagine that, 2020. (laughs) Um, And and, um, in 2017, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes because I was laying around, not moving, not doing anything but eating, and I was eating a lot of sugar. Um, so uh, that kind of gives you a little background. Always had high cholesterol um, from the time I was t- 18 was my diagnosis, and they started treating it with medication when I turned 21, and it ran on my family heart disease is huge in my family on my dad's side um, and all of us have got the genes because everyone on my father's side of the family including my brother take um, cholesterol medications okay wow what a, what a history yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me a couple things um first of all 
when you got um, type 2 diabetes in 2017, do you remember approximately what your blood sugar or your A1C was at the time? I don't remember my blood sugar, but my A1C was 8.1. And the only reason I remember that is because when I told a friend that I thought I was borderline, I said, my doctor's going to see me. They think I have a diabetes. And I said, but I think I'm just borderline. And when I told her the number, she was like, oh, that's diabetes. (laughs) Yeah. 8.1 is pretty high. Yeah, for sure. So Mm -hmm. do you have diabetes in your family at all? Or or were you the lucky one? Uh, My dad was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. um, Several, I mean, it's been probably 20 years um, ago. And then um, prior after that, he actually had to have his pancreas removed. So now he's considered a type 1 diabetic. Oh my gosh. Because he's wow. insulin dependent. Yes. Ooh, yes. that's rough. Yeah, he had, they, he had a tumor on his pancreas. Okay. Boy, that's a that's a tough story. So yeah. you've witnessed diabetes firsthand in your family. And so you were diagnosed in 2017. Did they put you on any medication at the time? They put me on metformin, but within two days I wasn't taking it because I read on the risks associated with it that um, it could cause dementia. And um, that is something that also runs in my family on my mom's side. And so I wasn't willing to take that. So they went the insulin route. Um, They put the, I did the finger sticking for, I don't know, a year or so. And then freestyle Libre came out where I was on a glucose monitor where I could check it like that. And then I went on to the um, Dexcom uh, monitor, which I liked a lot better because I didn't actually have to put my phone up to it and check it. Um, But in 2000, actually 2021 with intermittent fasting and, um, and changing my eating, I was able to get off the glucose monitor and just do finger sticking because by that point, um, my diabetes, my A1C was starting to drop continually. So my numbers were getting much better. Okay. And when you were on insulin, were you on both a long acting and a short acting insulin? Like how many times a day did you take insulin? Do you remember? I took insulin breakfast and dinner and, um, I had one every time I get, uh, chest colds often, you know, I'm prone to bronchitis. And um, so if I had to take steroids, I would have to use more and more insulin because steroids increase your blood sugar substantially. So yes. Okay. Wow. And then they put me on Ozempic. Okay. And did that help you at yeah. all? That helped a lot. Yeah. And did you lose weight on my numbers quite a bit? Well, I was already fasting and losing weight, so I'm not sure if it helped or not. Um, I'm not on it anymore, and um, I haven't gained any weight back. So I'm I'm assuming it helped. Okay. And so are you still taking insulin? No. No. Okay. When did So you found – maybe we can back up and you can tell me when you found intermittent fasting and just what brought all that about. Absolutely. Sorry, I get ahead of myself. Um, So in 2017, um, I'd gotten up to probably 180 and was still going to climb a little bit. But um, they found my diabetes and my aunt and uncle, who are diehard keto people, um, 
came over and talked to me and um, had me watch a video about sugar. Um, and it was on Amazon Prana. I searched on Facebook for something about sugar, you know, and I had a friend who was on a page called Sugar Addiction Support Group, maybe. Um, and so in 2018, I got onto that. Um, I started trying to find, trying to follow a really strict keto diet um, and go completely sugar-free. And I struggled with the sugar-free at first um, because I was traveling a lot. That's when we were going back and forth to Johns Hopkins. And we were also, um, what my husband says is um, it wasn't the end tour because he'd had lung cancer. And um, when we finished with chemo, he went on a tour to go see all his family and friends back east. And so we um, went on the, you know, out, awesome journey, but we were driving. And so I was eating a lot out of convenience stores and vending machines at hotels. So I wasn't following a sugar-free diet. So it was real hard to stay sugar-free and be on keto for that time. Um, I also found keto very restrictive for me and I, I don't do well with those kinds of uh, restrictions. They, um, I do much better with figuring it out on my own, if that makes sense. You know, I, the sugar addiction support group, I absolutely love. Um, it got me off of eating a lot of fruit because I thought fruit was really good for me. And, um, it got me eating off a lot of beans. I don't eat beans much anymore. Got me off of all the starches, you know, keto and, and that site. And it just kind of really helped to get me off of the things that were really adding to my weight besides just laying on the couch. Um, and so my aunt and uncle convinced me that I needed to do that. And um it really helped tremendously. It started the journey, but I was to kind of get off the keto and gain a bunch more pounds until March of 2020. Okay. Okay. And then that, is that when you found intermittent fasting? Uh, yes. Um, they also talked to me a little bit about it, but they, they eat one or two meals a day. Um, I found intermittent fasting. They talked about it a little bit on the sugar site. Um, but my aunt and uncle talked about it. I was like, there's no way I'll ever be able to do that. But while I was doing keto, I found, um, a doctor who talked about it, who was saying how, how beneficial it was for people with all sorts of illnesses. And so, um, I started by, uh, this is, it's not my trick. It was something that he recommended, um, by pushing my breakfast back an hour. And that's the one thing I took away from all that pushing breakfast back an hour each week until it becomes lunch. And so then you're eating either breakfast or lunch. And so then you're down to two meals a day and you're eating later in the day. And um, so I found a website that I loved um, that was called um, or is called IF slash AF Lifestyle. And um, it's for people who are alcohol-free as well as intermittently fasting. And um, that changed everything for me. And then when my doctor found a cure to my pain in March of 2020, everything turned around. So, um, yeah. 
So around March 2020 is when you start, is that when you started intermittent fasting or? Yes, it, okay. I, that's when I really sat down. I, I, I'd gone to the doctor and weighed 220 pounds. Okay. And it, like the month before my doctor found the, a shot that would help me with my trigeminal neuralgia. And when those two things coincided, I was able to get off my couch and start really focusing on what I could do throughout the day because they'd been laid off and I literally just laid here like a slug um, and I started walking. Um, it was hard at first. I, I am not a born exercise fan. <laughs> I don't like to go to the gym. Um, and I've learned to like it, but I growing up in Idaho, I was always doing outside sports, kayaking, rollerblading, those sorts of things in Houston. There's not very many months out of the year where you can really enjoy that. So um, I have uh, learned, I started walking, I could only do like a quarter mile in the beginning. And I did a half. And, you know, some of my non-skilled victories are from walking. You know, the fact that I was able to continue to where I was doing two miles in an hour which isn't very impressive, but when you weigh 220 pounds, I felt it was impressive. Um, and since then, I've, you know, I'm up to four to six miles a day. So yeah, it's, um, it's pretty cool. Um, and I love it. And it, what's nice about it for me is that my mom lives in Idaho and she's like my best friend in the world. And she just turned 80. She's going to kill me for saying them online, but, um, she, uh, walks with me so we try and get in a minimum of ten thousand steps a day and that's when i would start walking when my husband wasn't walking with me she'd get on the ipod iphones and airpods together and we just walk and talk and so to this day we get i get on either my treadmill or go outside and we walk and we just talk for an hour and now i can do a little over four miles an hour and she gets her 10,000 steps in or close to, and we move on with our day. So it's a nice way to keep in touch. Oh, I love that aspect of your story. I didn't know that. That's so sweet. That's such a nice yeah. thing to do. And yeah. so you had, yeah, so you really have been able to change things a lot. You change, you're, you're doing, you know, intermittent fasting. You're doing, are you still doing two meals a day or what is your current I, no. schedule? My current schedule is I do three OMADs a week, one meal a day. Um, and then I do two meals in a four-hour period twice a week and two meals in a six-hour period twice a week. So I mix it up. And, you know, some of the days I, um, I had thought I was hungrier than normal in the mornings. And what I have found is that my body is actually usually at that point burning the insulin-resistant fat. So I was eating when I'd get hungry. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to my body because I was trying to do longer fasts and I couldn't. Um, I've never been able to do more than 24 hours. Um, and so when my body would say I was hungry, I would eat. And what I've learned is a lot of that time, if I'll push through that first half hour, um, it's it's burning the insulin resistant fat at that point. And so I, I try to make it through that. I always exercise fasted. Um, I'm down from a size 16 in my pants to a size eight down to a medium from an XXL in my tops. And I wear t-shirts most of the time. So 
Um, I'm getting back to where I wanted to be, but I'm trying to get back to where I was, you know, when I weighed about 110. And wow. so I got down to 125, but I'm currently at 145. Okay. And how tall so, are you? Five foot three. Okay. Wow. That's a great weight. Even if you don't lose yeah. another pound, you must feel great. I do feel great. I, I feel really good. Um, the one thing that happened to me with my weight gain, I, I don't know if other listeners are, um, have had this happen, but um, my stomach is where I carried almost all of my weight. And um, as a result, uh, the weight gain tore a lot of my abdominal muscles and created a hernia. And so I'm looking into right now with the help of a doctor having that repaired. Um, because my muscles are still separated, even through working out. So, um, yeah, and um, I was trying to think of some of my, uh, you know, other non-scale victories that I've had. They're just huge. You know, I, I'm not tied to food anymore. Um, the less I eat, the less I'm hungry. And, you know, that never made sense to me until I started doing this. And I have found that if I push through those moments of hunger, you know, my body continues to burn and then, you know, if I'll push it off, then I can eat, you know, with the one meal a day or whatever and, and lose the weight I'm trying to lose as well as just feel better. You know, I don't have to every day search for a restaurant or search for a new recipe. Um, my husband pretty much eats with me because he eats his lunch at about 2.30. Um, he may have a snack, but he's a beanpole, so he's allowed to do that. Um, but he usually eats like a, a pepper or, you know, a bell pepper uh, for a snack. And then he has lunch at 2.30 and then we have dinner. So, you know, usually I won't eat all day until dinner time or, you know, I'll have something at around 2, 2.30 like when he does and then eat when he gets home and he gets home from work like four. So, you know, we try and eat before six. Everybody I watch on TV says eating before six is the way to go. I don't know if that really matters, but, you know, I go to bed early, so I think it probably does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I don't know if you know, but I have type 1 diabetes, and I find that when I eat earlier, it's, it's better for me just because overnight and nighttime, my blood sugars are better. And it's the same for type 2s as well. Like, if, if you can close your eating window earlier, your body just has that much more time to process whatever you've eaten and maybe you're going to go take a walk or something. It helps bring your blood sugar down and then overnight you should be pretty good. Are you, speaking of blood sugars, are you still on Dexcom or are you doing any finger sticks no, or anything? No, I'm not. I, I do finger sticks on occasion. I'm not good about it. But when I do do them, it's, it's like 92 to 99. Oh, so um, you're in a good range. Highest. Yeah, I'm in a real good range. So, um, you know, and again, unfortunately, with different medications that can raise and rise, and um, I have had to had to go back on to either you know insulin or something else to get those numbers down. But as as a matter of course, I don't take anything anymore. My diabetes doctor, my endocrinologist, um, she when she found out I was intermittent fasting, intermittently fasting, she was thrilled um she does it herself and thought it was wonderful um and she also was big on the keto but she told me right out the gate that, that I might struggle you know with keeping it um she said that lots you know she found it to be too strict um for her as well but I do definitely do 
you know, low carb um, and high fat. I still eat mostly protein and almost all vegetables, but I'm a little less strict with myself. I'll have some rice here and there or a piece of bread at a fancy restaurant, like regular bread I can care less about, but um, doing the fancy restaurant bread at a steakhouse, you can't pass on that. Or I can't pass on that, I should say. Yeah. No, I, I hear you on that. And I actually, I really like that message because I think the idea of perfection and like you can never eat a piece of bread again or you can never have rice again. Then people are like, I, I can't do this. So yes. you're, you're saying, actually, I have it every once in a while and my blood sugars are still good. It's just you don't do it every day. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, and I try and really limit it when I do do it. Um, and I talked about getting off, um, I was eating all the fruit. Um, I got off of most fruits with the exception of berries. And I limit that usually to blackberries and raspberries because they have the least sugar. Um, I will treat myself with a couple pieces of mango when it's in season. <laughs> um, you know, and that's usually, you know, a couple times a day when it's in season. So I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect in this. I, you know, that's why I've gained back 20 pounds, but it's been kind of fluctuating for quite some time. And I'm okay with that. You know, I, I'm happy with where I am. I would just like my stomach to decrease a little bit. Maybe with the hernia, it'll start looking better. The hernia yeah. surgery. Yeah. When you, when you lost, what was your lowest weight? Was it 120, you said? Uh, 120, yes. Did you know? And I don't know much about hernias, but was your hernia smaller at that time when you w went down to 120 or yeah, not really? I don't know. I, um, my doctor found it or, you know, pointed it out to me just this year. So I was probably about 140 when he, when he, pointed it out to me. Um, I am having a couple of different cosmetic surgeries due to excess skin. And um, so I'm trying to lose that weight again, that last 20 pounds again, so that I can get to a place where um, I can get to that and stay at it before the surgeries occur. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm actually, I want to come back to that in a second. But first, have you had your A1C checked recently? And I, I, I assume you're off all your medications, so your A1C must be down quite a bit, right? Yes, my A1C is now at 5.4. Um, my blood sugars, like I said, run in the 90s. And um, so, so that's awesome. I haven't stuck my finger probably in about two weeks. Um, and, you know, and that, and back um, two weeks ago, I was on steroids. So that's why I was checking it. Um, when I'm not on steroids and I know I'm not eating a lot of sugar, I've quit checking it. Like I used to check it to see what different fruits would do. Um, but I don't do that anymore, you know, cause I'm more accustomed. Yeah. You, after you do it a few times, you know, like, oh, this is what that's, uh, I, I run those kind of experiments on myself with type one, uh, you know, cause obviously I'm not producing any insulin. And so every time I do a different exercise or I eat a different food, I'm always like, trying to run an experiment and see, but then once you figure it out, you don't have to keep running it over and over again. So I understand that. <laughs> right. Right. And, and what kind of exercise do you do if you don't mind asking? Uh, I do some walking, um, light walking. I do some swimming. I have some nerve issues as well and swimming actually really helps me. So I do a lot of that, but swimming really, I don't know if you ever do any swimming, but it really lowers your blood sugar fast as does walking. Like sometimes if I have a high blood sugar, I'll go out for a walk around the block, maybe two, you know, two laps or something. And then whatever high blood sugar I had mixed with the insulin, I'll bring it right down. 
So um, I, I use I use exercise a lot for blood sugar control. If that, that's I, interesting, I had no idea. Sense. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that that you know, like it would never have correlated the two. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, 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 sure. So okay, maybe we can. There's so many parts of your story that I, I feel like <laughs> I want to dig into. So. And I'm just going to call it TN for short, your neurological disorder that you had, because I can't even sure. pronounce it. But <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's fully in remission right now. Well, I have to take medication for it still. Um, the medicine they found brought the pain down from a resounding ten to about a five. So you know anything was better than where I was. It was like ten plus plus plus, if you ask me. Um, but I'm kind of a wimp. Um, so, uh, it, it got into a five. I still take some medications for that. And then I don't take diabetic medications. Um, I do not have to take my cholesterol medication anymore, but that's a recent diagnosis. My cholesterol went down, my, my bad cholesterol went down with my eating and intermittent fasting and my good cholesterol with exercise and good eating went w much higher. So my ratio was down better. I wish I knew what it was. I tried to look it up before our call, but I didn't get to it. So um, I just know that my doctor said I didn't have to take the medication anymore and we would recheck in three months. So we're coming up on that day. So okay. I'll so is more the, this month. Is the neurological disorder, is that basically something that you just sort of manage? It doesn't ever go away? Yes, okay. yes. And the, the hope was that the brain surgery would work. Um, but mine is, my type of PN is, is a little bit, um, different. It's, it's not the normal run of the mill neurological disorder. So, um, I don't have any options as far as what they've come out with yet, but that doesn't mean I won't try something new if they come out with something new. Yeah, of course. <laughs> try and eradicate it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say that my weight loss has helped. And, and, and I'm sure, you know, the intermittent fasting can contribute that, to that as well. It, it just seems like I'm getting healthier in all aspects of my life with the intermittent fasting, the trying to stay low sugar, and, um, you know, just eating with the intermittent fast style lifestyle. Um, it's just so much better. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's, that's really great to be able to, and I have a couple different, you know, neurological issues myself that I'm just kind of managing through. And it's, it's hard. People don't understand when you're living with some sort of chronic pain, like just everything is harder about life, but you know, you, you know, obviously you've lost a lot of weight, which takes some pressure off maybe what, whatever was bothering you and, and help to control that a little bit. And you've gotten your diabetes under control, your cholesterol, like that's, that's amazing. You know, you're doing so fantastic. Thank and, you. <laughs> yeah. It's super, it's very impressive and inspirational. Um, I wanted to ask you something, if you don't mind, I wanted to bring it back to your sobriety. Cause I think actually adopting a lifestyle like you have with intermittent fasting and you've made, even though I know you're not on a keto diet, you still have made quite a bit of you know, improvements to your diet. Do you see any similarities between being sober, getting sober, and then like kind of uprooting your whole lifestyle again to doing this? Like it, there's a lot of, you know, willpower control involved. Like maybe you can talk through some of that. Absolutely. Um, yes. Uh, there's a lot of similarities. 
Um, with the food, you know, I can almost say, you know, because I am um, in a program, it, it, uh, I tried to work the steps on it, if that makes sense, especially with the sugar, you know, and so, you know, the first step is that I'm powerless over sugar and my life has become unmanageable. And so, you know, I just like wrote a lot about that. And, and, and that's one thing I would consider people to do when they were first starting is to journal. Um, I did not know how much I was eating to my feelings and, um, and it could even be just to boredom. Right. And so, you know, doing that work helped me tremendously. And, you know, I, I can always say that to myself, you know, you know, you're powerless over this. You don't want to put it in your body. Um, ice cream, huge, huge fan. And, you know, it sits on, you know, what do they say, a moment on the lips, forever on the hips. So, yeah, that applies to me. Um, and, and just being dedicated, right? So, you know, when I came into sobriety, I was literally dying. My family was going away. They were done with me. And, you know, I can't treat this exactly the same, but I can say, you know what, it took such dedication to turn my life around. And it continues to, you know, it's not something I do forever. It's something I do daily. And, um, you know, so putting as much effort into this as to my sobriety. And then, you know, we have promises in our literature and, there's just, you know, we will not regret the past or wish to shut the door on it is one of them. And in talking situations like this, excuse me, I had to step. Um, it's easier for me um, to not regret my past. You know, I can say if I can help one person today, you know, by doing this podcast or, you know, going out of my way to help somebody, then, then the work has paid off. And, and the feeling of release and relief both from it um, is quite substantial. Um, and, and just continually, you know, for me, um, I, some this may turn off some readers, but it brought me back to a very spiritual place, you know, and I find that waking up and meditating in the morning and setting my intentions for the day and asking whatever is out there, the creator of the universe, to, to guide my day. And, you know, then at night I, I asked my higher power just to please have me be treated tomorrow exactly as I treated other people today. So, you know, if I say that prayer at night and I know I'm going to say that prayer at night, I'm usually better about treating people better, you know, and, and that has, has definitely helped. Um, and I, and it's the same with food. I get to treat myself better today. You know, and if I'm eating right and I'm intermittently fasting, fasting has helped tremendously with my spiritual life. It, um, you know, not because I'm not focused on, oh, I'm waking up, I got to have breakfast or, you know, I'm going to bed. I, I need a little snack before I go to bed. You know, instead I go to bed and I meditate and, you know, wake up and I meditate. So, you know, those are definitely things that have helped me tremendously. Yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you something about as a follow on to that. So obviously, you know, with sobriety from drugs or alcohol or whatever you're, you know, you're sober from, you have to basically abstain from those substances. You can't really dabble in it and say, oh, well, I'll just have a little bit of this today and then I'm fine. 
with food, it's like, it's a little bit of a different story. You said sometimes you go out to a restaurant and you have some of that bread, you have some rice or something like that. So you can't really totally abstain from it. You can't abstain from eating forever. So like, how do you, how do you use that mentality to sort of help you? But you, you can't, you can't use an abstinence approach. You know what I mean? Right. And the, and the abstinence approach, I think, hurt me more than anything else. Um, because I was trying to restrict so many things out of the gate in 2018. Um, you know, I had a really hard time. And I beat myself up. And so um, the best thing I can say is to find what works. You know, um, I I can gain weight when I'm making Christmas candy because I, you know, I'm eating the crumbs thinking I'm not doing myself any damage. Well, you know, I'm eating about 3,000 calories a day because I'm eating the crumbs. So, you know, that's an overstatement. But, you know, each piece of my Christmas candy is 137 calories and it's about an inch square. And, you know, I end up eating about five inches. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's not a complete abstinence. It's about, you know, finding that balance for me. And, and it was the same with fasting. Like until this year, I was doing just... Um, 18.6 or the, um, uh, sorry, 14.8. And I couldn't get better, higher than, I don't want to say better. I couldn't do longer fast. And so all of a sudden this year, I've just been able to. So I just think it takes time and the willingness to do it, um, you know, to stick with it. So that's really helped me a lot is the willingness to try again. You know, I'm going to try a 24 hour fast. I'm going to try a 36 or, you know, whatever. And some, I've done it, the 24, never made it to 36. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. It, it gets hard after those, you know, longer for those longer periods. I have trouble with that too sometimes, mm -hmm. but the thing I like about you and just like how you're describing your mindset, you're really like gentle with yourself. You're not harsh. Um, just like, you know, you started out harsh in 2018, trying to go all in on the keto diet and it just didn't work for you. And you just sort of found a way that works for you. And you're just, you know, you're really understanding and gentle with yourself. I find with myself, I get really harsh with myself. And every time I do that, I, you know, I, it, something will happen to, to sabotage me. So it's, it's like you, I think we all have to kind of just do what works for us and not, not kill ourselves in the process trying to do it. Absolutely. Um, I I can be my own worst crit critic, but you know, like in, when somebody comes into the rooms into a meeting and uh, is a newcomer or has lost their sobriety, you know, what we always say is we don't shoot our wounded. And so, if I'm not going to shoot another wounded person, why would I shoot myself, right? So, you know, I think that's imperative. Um, I also think it's really important to be very dedicated you know, and to keep trying, you know, um, if I mess up one day or have breakfast or whatever, that doesn't mean the whole day is shot. I can close my window early that day. You know, those are the sorts of things that have um, helped me try longer fasts is I would wake up in the morning and just be ravenous and say, okay, I'm going to eat. And then I'll close my window at two, you know, or whatever, because you know, and have a shorter period, but it just is easier to um, try and forge another path where I say, okay, well, if I close the window at two, then if I don't open it till six tomorrow night, I'm doing so much better and I had a longer fast. And so it's been kind of 
me trying to figure out my own way through it as well as listening to others and reading others success and and you know setbacks yeah that makes a lot of sense and um yeah you're highlighting the importance of flexibility and I do that too sometimes like if I'm just starving, then I might break my fast a little bit early, but like I, like you do, sometimes I'll also close my window early and maybe even fast a little longer the next day. And the other thing too, I think a lot of people don't understand, especially women, is like our hormones play a part in a lot of this too. And like you said, you're on certain medications, you might have, you might have had to take some insulin for some steroids or something, and you may have caused a low blood sugar or something that may be making you hungry. There's so many different things that could be causing hunger. And it's not every single time you have to give into it, but if you do on occasion and you just try to work with it on the back end, like it's not the end of the world. Yes, and I just had my hormones checked. I'm glad you brought that up because my hormones um, are, are completely out of whack and um, I'm 54, so of course they are. Um, and learning about what I can do for that has very much been helpful and seeing a doctor having the cortisol checked having everything checked um cortisol is a hormone and and I think it's you know important for women to you know have all of that looked at and men too you know because lots of men have low testosterone or you know whatever so there's supplements out there that you don't have to take medication or I don't have to take medication. Um, so, you know, definitely something because that will definitely trigger my eating and, and my attitude. So I, I noticed my attitude getting really bad, which is why I had my hormones checked. <laughs> it was like top flashes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we're, we're quick to always jump to like, oh, the fasting is making me hungry. I just, I need to eat because I fasted too long. It's like, well, it might be that, but it also might be a, a thousand other things. So um, that's, that's important to get your hormone levels checked, man or woman. Um, and maybe you can talk, if you don't mind, a little bit about your, your skin surgery that you, you said you're trying to lose a little bit more weight for. Have, did you notice any like benefits of, cause I know a lot of people talk about the autophagy and like they don't have as much loose skin as they thought they might, but obviously when you lose a tremendous amount of weight, like you have, you probably will have some loose skin, right? Yes. Yes. And especially at my age, I think, um, a lot of people, you know, that come here earlier have a little better opportunity for their skin it is a little more elastic. Um, mine is not as much so as it used to be. And uh, so, yes, I have um, some excess skin around my belly area and um, under my arms, thighs, those sorts of things, mostly my belly and um, as well as my upper body. Um, all of those areas are in need of some nip and tuck, if you will. I don't know if you remember that show, but um, it was fabulous. Uh, anyway, um, I, I have a need or I'm wanting, I don't have to have it, but I'm uncomfortable, right? So yes, I um, am looking into doing that. My skin um, probably didn't get as loose as it could have um, without the fasting, but um, I, I've known, seen all sorts of people lose a lot of weight in the fasting pictures and those sorts of things on the different fasting pages. And they don't seem to have a lot of excess skin that they're showing at least, right? And um, I just know that for me, it's uncomfortable. So, you know, I'm going to do whatever I need to, to, you know, have a little dip and tuck to make it look better. Because <laughs> now I feel better. I want to look better. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you de- you deserve that. And uh, oh, I already told you, I think you're beautiful. You look like Sharon Stone Thank to me. You. So <laughs> you're very sweet. <laughs> I, I know you're going to be posting more pictures after you get that surgery. And I know, you know, you're going to look better than you already do. So I'm really excited for you to, to be able to get Thank all that. As we come up on time, you've already given so many really useful tips, um, and I, I love the sobriety aspect of your story and the fact that you were dealing with some other health issues because it just goes to show that you can do intermittent fasting and still lose a lot of weight, even when you're facing other, other issues in your life, which may be actually very painful. So you, you can do two things at once, but maybe for people that are coming up, they have a, a diabetes or a pre-diabetes diagnosis, maybe they're also dealing with some sort of situation where they're in a lot of pain or or anything like that, what do you recommend? How would they get started? Do you have any tips for them? Um, You know, for me, the most important thing I did was clean out my pantry first. um, And I took things to the food bank. um, And then uh, the, the eating my breakfast later and later until it became lunch, you know, was probably one of the best things I've learned. I know that when I first started and I was hungry or was craving something, um, I went back to some quitting smoking thing, which obviously didn't work. But um, the uh, website said, if you start to crave, go for a quick walk, even if it's around the cul-de-sac or down the street and back, um, rub your arms with a rough washcloth um really fast for like a minute and when you do that or when I do that um it completely gets my mind off of it and I don't know why or how but I think it may be that it gets the bloodstream going a little bit so you know just getting those things done journaling um having somebody who's your accountability partner is hugely helpful um and then the different pages on facebook you know um i love the ones i'm on you know the the fasting by dr jason young and um the um intermittent uh, fasting alcohol free lifestyle the sugar addiction support group they've all been so helpful to me and i think if nothing else like just picking little pieces from each page if if the one thing doesn't work for you um that's been the most helpful thing and and i do um not put sugar in my body to the to the extent i used to i would say probably once a week i may have a you know a little bit of mango or you know i may actually go for a little scoop of ice cream but um i will say that it it triggers me and it sets me off and so i know if I'm going to do that, I have to be very diligent the next day. And so, you know, those are the things that have helped. And, and for looking for people who have the light, a like mind. I know that stopping putting alcohol and drugs in my body um, and being here and then starting the intermittent fasting um, helped me tremendously. And I was shocked to find other people who were doing IF and AF. And I think it was a lot of people who were I'm guessing struggling with the drinking, kicking off the, the sugar craving and those sorts of things in the morning. And, and so it's really um, that page and, and the others I mentioned, it's so helpful. And I think you can find exactly what you want pretty much anywhere, like these podcasts, you know, like-minded individuals. And that's what I learned by getting sober was, you know, if I hang out with like-minded individuals, it's better and easier for me to stay on the path 
and get back on it. So those are the things that have worked. Wow, that's that's great. And I actually, I really like that message too about just finding your individual community because we all have our little differences that, you know, it's it's so nice to know that there's other people out there that are, you know, pretty much going through the same thing that we are and we're not alone in this. So that's that's really great advice. Um, is there anything else I'm, I'm missing that you wanted to say? Um, the only thing I would say is take what you want and leave the rest. You know, that's that's what I would say. And, and you know, I hope everybody finds this journey as as beneficial to them as, as it has been to me. And um, I, you know, wish you all the great success. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's very personal and you've laid a lot out there and I know the listeners are really going to appreciate everything that you've said. And I think a lot of them are going to resonate with your story. So thank you so much for, for being open. Absolutely. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes.com at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.